How's it going? This is Captain Cam with Blackbird Guide Services, and I will be your host for today's episode of Eastern Current. And today, our guest is a familiar voice to most of you who listen to the podcast, and that's Captain Ozzy with Marker 23 Inshore Adventures here out of uh, North Carolina, and he is also uh, a host for the Eastern Current podcast as well. And today, we're going to take a deep dive into tournament fishing, uh, more specifically redfish tournament fishing. Ozzy's had uh, a lot of experience in redfish tournaments, and we are going to pick his brain on how he goes about picking a part of area, his favorite baits to use, uh, how he decides on what locations he's going to go to, so on and so forth. So uh, stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy. On August 12th, Eastern Current and Soundside Outfitters in Swansboro, North Carolina, will be hosting the first annual fly-only redfish rodeo. You'll be able to fish anywhere in North Carolina, and the awards ceremony will be held at the Soundside Outfitters fly shop that evening. You'll have to be present at the after party to win. All the tournament proceeds will be donated to a coastal nonprofit here in North Carolina. We have tons of great prizes that our sponsors have donated. Our sponsors include Grundens, Mauser Fly Rods, Hatch Reels, Montana Fly Company, Siegler Reels, iStrike, Stroud Craft Boats, and Florida Fishing Products. You can sign up through the iAngler website or the iAngler app. It's going to be a great time and hope we can see you all out there. Even if you're not from North Carolina, we'd love to have you come up and fish the tournament with us. Captain Nazi, how you doing? Man, I am just trying to stay out of trouble. Coming right along, you know what I mean? Easier said than done. <laughs> Buddy, you ain't lying. It's <laughs> easy to talk about, ain't it? That's right. That's right. Well, um, Captain Ozzy is a fellow Eastern Current podcast host, um, and his background is a little bit different than mine as far as fishing is concerned and um one of those one of those backgrounds i guess that i wanted to talk to you about today uh that i think people will be interested in is is competition fishing or tournament fishing uh specifically for for redfish i guess um because that's something that i haven't done i've done my fair share of tournaments i have not gotten to the level that you have done them in um how, how many tournaments do you think you've done in your lifetime for, for I guess, just inshore tournaments? Inshore tournaments in general, trout included? Yeah. Um, not as many as other people, for sure. Uh, still a young guy. We're still a young team. I definitely don't want to claim a title. I'm not due, like I'm some tournament vet or, or anything like that. Uh, it's something I enjoy doing. Um, it, it is is my fun fishing, if you will. Mm-hmm. But um, to do maybe twenty. And some of those are like you fish two a week. Mm-hmm. Um, like one v one. One of my favorite series I've ever done, actually. It's, uh, at the time it was called Trout Madness, and it was kind of a play on March Madness. 
Mm-hmm. And it was like a bracket series, and you fished against one other person. And once you beat that person, you move forward or you're eliminated. It's like double elimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that qualifies as just one tournament or every time I fish is out the, you know, knocked on the belt. But uh, I don't know, man. Like anywhere from eight to 15, I guess would be a realistic answer. Eight to, um, eight to 15 tournaments in total? Yeah, I guess. Depending on how you count the trout mammoth, where like you were fishing okay, got it, got it, got it. a lot. You yeah. were fishing a ton. And uh, I was a young guy. It was my first winter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might have done one before that, but then it's kind of when I got serious about it. And so, I mean, young guy, <laughs> first winter, you're not going to be doing a lot, at least in my experience and, and the people I talk to. Um, yeah, I'll enter in this tournament. Yeah, I'm fortunate enough to have some very helpful, uh, if you want to call them sponsors, but like help, financial help with the tournament fees and entries and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I was like, yeah, that, that filled up my entire winter. And, um, it was a terrible season, but, uh, nonetheless, loved it i mean it was a blast <laughs> still still had a good time i love it uh um, yeah i mean I, I did fairly well just everything that could go wrong went wrong mm-hmm. um always like a lower unit and <laughs> if it's gonna go wrong it's gonna go wrong on tournament mm-hmm. saturday mm-hmm. and uh blew a lower unit blew a power pack have trouble motor die i won all three of those <laughs> and i had a fully functioning boat and i got beat so <laughs> I don't know how that works out, but it happens. How how many people? I guess it just depends on the tournament, but on average, how many people are entering these tournaments, these inshore tournaments? <clears throat> yeah, so like the um, larger series that I do is is the Redfish Madness series, and they run alongside a few other series. So like winning this will qualify you, or like winning top three or top five, like it changes every year, mm-hmm. will qualify you for like the majors, if you will, whether that be, um, the, yeah, I'm going to blank on the name, the one in Louisiana, um, not the professional red fishing league, but the other one, but anyway, like basically the world series, um, and that's called the qualifying tournament series that I run. Typically, it's called the Redfish Madness Series. A good turnout, fifty. A big, big, big tournament would be a hundred boats. Mm-hmm. Where you know that's kind of the range. Um, Mike Madness puts those on. He does a great job. He runs a really, really clean tournament. Um, and then, like I said, you qualify, and then you go fish, you know, bigger, and then you win, and you get fish bigger, so on and so forth. So that's why I'm guiding. So there's like a red, there's like a redfish trail, isn't there? Like a tournament yeah, trail. Yeah, yeah. It, there's a northern trail, a southern trail. Um, so far, the northern trail this year has been out of Jacksonville, North Carolina. The next one's in Atlantic Beach, and the third one hasn't been announced, but everybody thinks it's going to be in Swansboro or Fifth City. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a southern trail. There's two tournaments, basically uh, out of South Carolina, um, Charleston. Or um, right outside of Charleston, at the mouth of the Cooper River, I'm blanking on the town, Georgetown. 
uh, one of those two. Georgetown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So one of those two, if not both, and that would be like the Southern Division and the Northern Division. You could dish all five or, you know, just enter in one, however you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's a point series. So if you scrub out on one, you can do well on the rest of them and still be in the mix and finish as a top five team, top three team, and so on and so forth. So that's kind of how that works. It's, the points get a little, not complicated, but you know, it's just similar to golf. You know, you get, not golf, but maybe bowling. And you get more points the better you do, and the worse you do, you get less points, and it's averaged up at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and there's a winner. So you get it. Yeah, the way we view it, me and my partner, um, you get one scrub. So you can suck at least in one. Um, after that, you need to be on your A game. Or you can do like mediocre and then um, kind of like finish strong, if you will. Mm-hmm. So is the, uh, is the last, I guess, like, you know, I don't know what you call it in a Redfish series, but is like the World Cup of Redfishing tournaments is that held in louisiana typically yes yeah okay yeah delacroix venice something like that okay got it um yep okay so the the way i look at it and looking back i'm like man i wish i had fished some more tournaments because yeah i i really do feel like it makes you a better fisherman in a in way more ways than one um, but before we really dive into like how you locate fish and how do you know where the big fish live and how do you target those big fish, I do want to kind of talk about real quick, like the boats, because we were talking hmm. about Ozzy and I talk on the phone, I don't know, at least once or twice a week. Um, and today we were talking about bay boats and red fishing from bay boats. How much does someone that has a really, really fast uh, skinny water boat. So let's call it like a, I don't know, 22-foot or 23-foot bay boat that can go 60 miles an hour. Does that person have a really large advantage in a redfish tournament because they can cover a ton of ground in a short amount of time and can get back for the weigh-in at the appropriate time? Uh, yes and no. Um, before we get to that, one thing you said I'd like to touch on is that tournament fishing makes you a better angler, and that is both very, very true and very, very deceiving. <laughs> um, Elaborate, <laughs> it sounds, please. It, it sounds funny to say, yes, it makes you a better angler. Uh, Any time on the water makes you a better angler. But it's so, like, uh, specific. Right. Mm-hmm. So as guides, we, we can go catch 20, 23, 24 inch fish, sight fishing, and it's an epic day. Mm-hmm. Or we can go catch five, 30 inches, and it's, that's a pretty good day, too. Um, the, both of those are useless on tournament day. Right. So I'm, I, I'm not going to catch black. We, we just, you know, we have these things called captain's meetings. Mm hmm. 
and it's where like the Thursday before the tournament we meet up and we hear any rule changes, what's to be expected of the anglers and um, like the pre festivities to the tournament, if you will. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crap talk, obviously. Um, there's food and cold beverages and the a hundred people there. So obviously there's a lot of crap talk. And they're like, well, it must be nice to your God. I'm like, yeah, it is. It is super nice. Like, it's the best job in the world. But it's not as much of a – it's an advantage. I'm not going to lie. But it's not as much of an advantage as you think because there's days I will stay on these 23s or I'll stay on 30s or, or you know, hopefully not 16 inches. But in a tournament, a 16 inch is just as useless as a 30 inch. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> right. If it comes to beside the boat and he's a giant, we're bummed. He's like, ah, it's a yeah, three inch fish. Like that does us no good that day. Yeah, it I'm is an advantage. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I won't I won't dispute that. But it makes you a great angler. It, it but it makes you a great tournament angler. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's things like once you get in, into deep deep into fishing, like you're you're bad for one. Like mm-hmm. the tournament fishing is all about numbers in my mind like if who, whoever makes the most cast around the right school of fish is gonna win like um you, you tie not fast you you don't spend 40 seconds looking for something in the boat because 40 seconds times 20 times a day is quite a bit and then you could be making cast the whole time so it makes you faster it makes you more proficient um or or efficient or whatever you want to call it but so, like, yeah, it definitely translates into being a good angler, but at the same time, it's a, um, I, I'm, I'm a believer that fishing is a bunch of small pieces into a big pie. And tournament fishing is, it, it's a, it gets you a few of those small pieces, but it's not everything. For sure. That, that I mean, that's just very opinionated. You know, I mean, there's people that might dispute that, So that's how I believe. But, uh, if you can re-ask me the root questions since I went off on the tangent. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Um, no, I agree with you. I mean, when you when you got a certain size fish that you're looking for, it's a little bit different than when you're guiding and you're looking for just fish in general. Um, yeah. Whether whether it be smaller fish or larger fish, I mean, it really doesn't really doesn't matter as long as you're putting people on fish because that's at the end of the day that's that's the goal um right and so, for the people that aren't familiar it's the slot is uh 1827 so and that's true for tournaments too so we're looking for the fattest 27 inch fish uh it's not who about who can go catch the biggest red fish um similar to like that like it's five big fish period it's, right right um, yeah we're limited like it's got to be 27 inches period um, <laughs> on the it month. takes 14 14 pounds wind most of the time in north carolina yeah now there's other states that are a little different but pretty much yeah 27 inches so a, a school of 30 just doesn't does you no good yeah no I'm, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about because like I mean, I don't know how many 27-inch redfish I've caught in my life, but if you asked me, where can I go catch a 27-inch redfish, I'd say, well, I mean, 
it's kind of just like you just fish and sometimes you catch them, <laughs> you know, from, from like a, from like a, you know, person who's fished recreationally and then in, in guided for a handful of years, you know, they just, right. uh, when you're not tournament fishing, it's not something that you're really like, okay, there's multiple 27 inch fish here. This is, this would be a good spot to fish on a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally different. But I do think, um, I do think it makes you a better fisherman in, in, um, what am I trying to say? Like in, in the regard of you get a crappy day to go on tournament day to go fishing. And this might not be a day that you would fish normally. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. Oh God, it's mm-hmm. blowing 25 and it's white cap. And I don't, I wouldn't fish unless it was a tournament and you go out and finding fish on days like that, I think at the end of the day, make you a much better angler. Uh, Cause yeah, I agree. There's just certain, you know, I think guiding does that too, for sure. in in some regard, yeah. because you get people that, Oh, we don't care. It's blown 25. We want to go anyways. And you're like, all right, well, we'll figure it out, you know? Um, and I think there's, there's some similarities there. Uh, but definitely I think for, for tournament fishing, you're like, okay, we don't have another choice. We got to figure this out and we got to catch fish no matter what the conditions are. Uh, and that might be, you know, different baits. It could be fishing wind protected banks. It could be, you know, what have you. And, uh, it, so I think in that aspect, I, I agree with you on um, how how it's a little bit of a double-edged sword on, on there's aspects of it that definitely make you a better angler and aspects that are kind of different because you're only searching for that 27-inch fish. But it, it is, as far as that is concerned, like weather conditions, I do think those, you know, play, yeah. play into Yeah, I definitely agree. Making you a better uh, the angler. Tournament's gonna, yeah, the tournament's going to go on no matter what. Um, so... I actually got my start in tournament fishing, not in guiding. Um, I was like in high school, and Eastern Outfitters needed someone to step into the tournament team. I fished with a former guide by the name of uh, Captain Wayne Frisco, who doesn't guide anymore, and that was my introduction. Uh, obviously, he pretty much drove and captained the boat. I had barely, very little to try. Actually, well, I did contribute that day. And he actually stepped out of guiding right after that. And they were like, hey, look, if you want to keep fishing these tournaments, here's a, you know, he left. Who do you want? So I picked a guy by the name of uh, Noah Harrison, who worked at East Mountain with a longtime buddy of mine, a uh, good friend. And um, so we just we jumped into it. It wasn't a god, just a tournament angler. And um, that's really where I learned to fish on all conditions because we went out no matter what. Your bait changed, your plan changes. Um, and we had, we thought we knew, like we really did the first blast off, Noah and I thought we were the best team. Like we were ready and uh, obviously got humbled. Like I said, we're still a young team. Uh, yeah, I'm, I just turned 26 and we're fishing against guys who have 26 years of experience in, in the fishery um, from North Carolina to Louisiana. So um, with that being said, uh, we're, we're trying to bang with the big dogs, but it, it 
it definitely makes you a better angler on the weather conditions. And I think if you take it serious enough, it makes you a better angler. In other, I, I could tie braid to a uh, 20-pound leader in the dark. I, I only <laughs> know that because I practiced a bunch. And you blast off seconds. in the dark. Um, I think it makes you efficient. I make you make it faster. Um, once, once you start looking at it as almost like a professional athlete would, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and that's what I mean when you take it serious, like you, you tie knots in a dark room, you, um, you test every single knot you tie, you, you put it on the scale and see what knot does the best. You change every hook on every lure because the stock hooks aren't no good. Or, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it other than those 10 hours you fish on tournament day. And that's what makes you a better angler. For um, sure. I feel like that's what has accelerated my career, both as a guide and as a tournament angler, is like all the small pieces to the pie. Um, so, again, I think I'm, I'm beating a dead horse there. I'm not meaning to repeat myself, but I think as soon as you take it in, in anything, whether you're into golfing or whether you're into fly fishing, once you take it serious and, and view it like really serious, almost as if a professional athlete would, then you know, you're 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 bound to to make to make um, to make leaps and bounds, really. Yeah. To, to improve I'm with drastically. You. So, which we did. Now, like I said, we're not a we're not a um, a force to be reckoned with. I'm not claiming a title I don't deserve, but I think we have made leaps and bounds as a team. So, well, yeah. and you, I, got long, you, you got plenty of more time to keep it going. I hope so. I hope so. Too. I, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy it, man. Like as much stress as it causes, um, it it it's a ton of fun, man. Like it's, like I said, it's what I, among other things, what I do for fun. So, but to get back to, uh, I don't mean to drive, but to get back to your bay boat question. Yeah. What, what was your bay boat question? My bay boat question was because, you know, I'm on the water plenty of times when these tournaments are going on, and I'll see people that have, you know, it might not even be a bay boat, but let's just say a a, a bigger boat that can go. 60 miles an hour, has a really big fuel tank, can cover a ton of ground in a short amount of time. And all of these tournaments, you know, for the most part, unless it's like one of those eye angler tournaments, um, you have to be back for a weigh-in at a specific time. Mm. And some of these guys are running, I don't know, 60 miles to go catch redfish in a spot. Oh, that they minimum. Know. Minimum, okay. yeah. Minimum sixty miles to go catch a redfish, where they think that they can catch a you know a fat twenty seven inch redfish, and then you know because their boat can go so fast, they they can be back to the weigh in no problem. Um, so I I get my original question was do those guys or or gals with with those boats have an advantage over people in i don't know like my boat is <laughs> is 18 foot pulling skiff with the 60 horsepower suzuki right so like my top end's like 33 and it's got a 14 gallon tank 
Yeah. Um, again, yes and no. There are certain advantages that that presents, um, especially if you want to be the first to a community hole. We all know these community holes. They hold big fish. Um, the trout anglers know them. You know, when they, when you have a trout tournament, everybody wants to make it to XY Creek first or XYZ Creek first. And then likewise with the, the um, tournament red fishing scene, there are certain spots that just hold big fish. Historically have the fish that are needed. If you can be the first because you run 70, then yeah, that's an advantage. Absolutely. Um, and 70 is, is the new standard. It seems like if there was a team that weighed in, I don't know, three or four Saturdays ago, and we, we launched out of downtown Jacksonville, and they're like, yeah, we were in Moorhead City in like 43 minutes. I was like, dude, you made it from downtown Jacksonville to Moorhead City in under an hour. It, just, it blew my mind. I don't know how fast they were going. I haven't done the math on the mileage, right? but they were getting it. I, got, I mean, there's a no wake zone in there. You have to slow down according to tournament rules at a certain point or you're DQ'd and there's people watching, like you're not going to get away with blowing through it. So right. I was like, holy crap, you know, these, you, you picked a brand. There's, there's a mini brand out there, whether it's Eric Simmons or Blazer or Camus or Mamba or whatever it is. Uh, boats have gotten really fast and we're a slow boat. Uh, likewise, I actually, the same skiff I guide out of every day, it's a Ranger Phantom 168. Is the same skiff that I um, uh, tournament fish out of, and we all have we always have access to a bigger boat, whether that be the old bay router I used to guide out of, or a twenty four footer that we have access to the tournament fish out of. Um, or we we have access to a bigger boat, but we take our strength and we play them. We play them hard too, and what we do is get shallower than everybody else. We're slow. We, we know we're slow. Um, we always blast off with the pack like we're going to get in the lead. But if we were smart, we would probably just way back. You know what I mean? Like, sure. just, let's hang to the back. Don't even, dude, it's like, it's like a nasty inlet or like a washing machine, whatever. Like, when you all, when you can imagine yeah. 45 boats all taken off at one time, the wake is insane. And so we see these fast boats just absolutely chine walking beside us, you know, Fasting is like we're standing still, but uh, our advantage is a, like I said, bless you. Thank you. Um, like I said, a, I get to be on the water every day. That's helpful. I would never take a client um, scouting for tournaments unless they're like, yeah, that sounds great. Otherwise, no. Like we're we're gonna go to where I know fish are regardless of size. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it helps being on, on the water every day. Another advantage we have is I'm a, shy, I'm, a, I'm a pretty shallow water skiff. I'm not what other shallow water skiffs are, the guiding thing. Like you could probably pull a flood tide easier than I can, or you might be able to reach the belly crawler that I can't. But in the world of tournament scenes, I am very, very shallow. Uh, mm-hmm. Truly, probably have a seven-inch boat. Um, eight if if I had a heavy dinner the night before, 
And, and um, <laughs> but with that being said, that's really, really shallow compared to these 22, 23s, and 24s. So our advantage is different, right? So we can't clear um, the mileage they can as fast as they can. Because it's a big thing. So last tournament, for instance, and I don't know if this podcast will drop first or the one I just did will drop first, where I, I actually did a uh, hot wash with my tournament partner about the tournament we just did. Um. But we cleared, I don't even know, geez, like 60, 70 miles out the gate, and it took us every bit of an hour and a half. Like, it was forever. It felt terrible because we just burned precious daylight. You know, that sunrise bite everybody's aware of? Mm-hmm. We burned it just running. I mean, we had jerry cans for days. Um, and a, a jerry can is just uh, a gas can that you carry with you outside of what your boat can carry. So our boat capacity at 14 gallons was not enough to get us to spot number one, more or less. And, yeah, so we cleared, I don't know how many miles out the gate. There was other people killing, there was other people clearing triple digits out the gate. Um, And, of course, there's some people clearing five miles. You know, they're going to fish right there. And that's, that's a strategy we have used multiple times. Um, we sat down as a team and we're like, there's 27 inch fish from here to point A or, you know, whatever, five miles within the launch, there's big fish. Mm-hmm. We just got to find them. We had to pick through every single blade of grass until we find them. So yes, the, the big boats have an advantage. They have a comfortable ride. They can, um, like there's days where I've been like, no, nah, I can't, I just can't fish today uh, in, in my normal boat. And uh, the big boat probably didn't even bad enough. So, yeah, it's just, it's just 30, whatever. It's just 30 miles an hour. So there, there, there is a definitely an advantage being fast, but it's not impossible to do, you know, top three finishes in a, in a small boat. Yeah. And uh, we're, I mean, we're proof of that. It's not necessary. For sure. Yeah, that the, the the only other thing I can think of, it, it, advantageous wise, for one of those super fast boats is, let's say, I have, let's say I enter a tournament in Swansboro. That's not an area that I fish a ton by any means. Uh, if you asked me where 27 inch fish were, I'd tell you I had no idea. And I wouldn't be lying. And but if I entered a redfish tournament there and I had one of those fast boats, I could say, you know what? I'm riding all the way back down to Rysel Beach, Carolina Beach, bald head, and I can be back for weigh in <laughs> because I know where yeah. the twenty seven inch fish are there. Um, which is crazy to me that like you know, I, I think it take it almost takes out the risk of fishing an area that you don't know very well. Um, yeah, no, you're exactly right. But there is a risk involved in that too. Um, that run eats up time. Yep. Like, so there's been guys who will run most a day, fish for 30 minutes and do well uh, because they're so powerful. But then there's other guys who won't wait fish because they made that run. Right, and they you- from Swansboro to the Lower Cape Pier or something crazy, or, or 
whatever, and they're they took that game. So that's what that's what I like really getting into that side of things. I, I love the gamble. I love uh, the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, tournament partner Noah does not. Uh, he's not as risky as I am, and, and I'm like last and third are the same to me. You know, I, I'm here for first. Mm-hmm. So that's my thinking. I will weigh a 27 and eight fish and hope he shrinks. It's all or nothing for me. Sure. Um. So, yeah, like it, it's a huge advantage. You can you can potentially do really really well, and but. Another disadvantage outside of the risk of taking a long run mm-hmm. is um, how do you scout that? Like, how do you know you're not going to run past that? So let's let's I am I stretch my legs on a daily basis. I run out of uh, the Sneed Ferry area and commonly fish anywhere from Swansburg to Surf City, but primarily I'm out of Sneed Ferry mm-hmm. or Southwell area. And 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 sixty miles is not an uncommon day. You know, um, and then and then there's occasions where it's over that. Um, but with that being said, I struggle, and that's small range compared to other people who who run you know northern Pamlico to lower Cape Fear, Southport, Baldhead, all that stuff. That's that's the entire North Carolina border. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. How do you how do you scout it? That's <laughs> that's can't. what I would love to ask those guys. Like. I struggle with my 60, maybe 70 mile range. Yeah. You bet. You better have a good network. I'll, t- I'll say that much. And, and that, that's the conclusion. It's gotta be a network. It's just not against the rules by any means, man. Sometimes it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And, um, <laughs> that's true. But I, maybe I need to be more trusting. I just, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know you said there's fish there, <laughs> but I know this area really, really intimately. So I'm going to stick to it. Yeah. That's, and, that's me. I think about it this way too. Well, I guess this doesn't really apply because I was going to say, you know, like around Swansboro or Sneeds Ferry area where where you fish the most, you know where fish are, which is the number one step, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, that doesn't really help you if you got a – you know, I don't, there's probably none up here, and maybe I'm wrong, but if you had a redfish tournament, let's say up in Kitty Hawk. Yeah. Right? Because uh-huh. because you're not going to run all the way down to Swansboro, Surf City, Sneeze Ferry area. Um, so I guess that leads me to my next question, which is, you know, these do the redfish tournaments that you fish, are they – Pretty much, can you always fish your Sneeze Ferry, Surf City, Swansboro stuff, or are you are you going to different locations in North Carolina where you might have to scout for a couple of days? Um, yes and no, I guess. Which is, I feel like the answer to most of your questions. <laughs> um. Yeah, majority of them. I mean, if we drop in Swansboro and I'm on a fish in Hampstead, I can probably do it. It's a long run. It's a risky run, but we can do it. If we drop in Surf City and I'm on fish in Moorhead, I, I mean, I can still do it again. It's just how much risk you want to take. Um, but it's all about your boat, and the boats are everything. So, um, 
not trying to get ahead of myself here in the process of getting another boat with an 80 gallon tank. I'll, you know, just hopefully cross your fingers, say your prayers. With that 80 <laughs> gallon tank, though, I could do a lot more. So there's no way you could drop on the northern end of North Carolina's coast and I could be fishing on the southern end. You know, I could go to Oak Island if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to burn a lot of your day, a lot, a lot of your day for 15 minutes of fishing. But if you're on, go. So I would say to answer your question, like most of the time, I can get to somewhere I know. I'm pretty, like, uh, still kind of central in Smith Ferry. There's a yeah. lot of coast north of me and there's a lot of coast south of me. Very much so. Um, so there's very few places I can, you know, with what I know in a 60, 70 mile range, there's not many tournaments that I can fish and be like, I really don't know what to do. I can always just, you know, burn half of my day, fish a quarter of my day, and then burn the other three quarters or, you know, whatever the math is, getting, running back. Getting back to weigh-in. Yeah. And that's a stressful, that can be a pretty stressful event, like, especially yeah. if you have weight in a live well. That's the sure. work catch and release tournament. Um, so it, you get a pound penalty if you weigh a dead fish. So you've got, say, 13 pounds, 14 pounds in a live well, and you don't know if you're going to make it back in time. You can't gun it. You know, on a Saturday, you're, you're, you don't want to beat your fish to death on the boat wake, but you've got to kind of gun it because you're pushing the time limit because you made a long run. So, mm-hmm. And that, that there's a thousand of those little decisions throughout the day. What is the, what is the time that you usually have to be back for weighing? Yeah, we blast off somewhere around a little after 5.30, 5.45, something like that. And, um, it was 5.35, Yeah, something like that. And then you normally have to be back by like four. Okay. Then that's give or take. Sometimes it's 3.30, sometimes it's 3. Um, so that's, that's the time frame. Yeah. So, so it, you it blast really off. About 10 hours. Yeah, roughly. You blast off in waves. So it's group one, then 30 seconds go by, then it's group two, and 30 seconds go by, so on and so forth until everybody is gone and then um yeah so you all get staying near 10 hours together and those groups are picked at are yeah they're picked at random you don't know what you're going to get yeah you can you can put in for a raffle to be number one and number two boat we have a slow boat we don't have any use for number one we'll just get past sure so we know our limitations so I guess the last piece of this is like, how do you find the twenty-seven inch fish? Are you just um, going like, are, are you just going to spots? Or better question, how do you scout for twenty-seven inch fish? Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good question. Um, the way I do it is where I'm at now. Uh, this is kind of the finished product. Say I have eight spots near black salt mm-hmm. that I know historically hold big fish. Anywhere from my range I'm looking for is 25 to 30 inches. I don't want a 25 and I don't want a 30, but if they are both swimming there, there's a good chance there's something I need swimming there. Mm-hmm. 
and I go to where I've caught those types of fish before, and you narrow it down, you know eventually where your big fish live. You go there, you check those eight spots. Of those eight, two of them might be producing. Um, and then within that, you, you learn those fish intimately. Uh, you know what they do at low, and you know what they do at high. You follow them. Um, or that's one train of thought, right? That's a rot in the spot kind of way of thinking. Or you've got a potential at low tide, a potential at rising, a potential at high. You know, throughout the whole day, you've got four spots. Low, rising, high, falling low. Because you're probably going to be able to fish all those that day. And those are four different spots. And you burn them. You, you fish, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half at each spot and, and hope that out of those four, two of those four produce. Um, so with those two schools of thought, you just go and you fish fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're covering ground. You're using your loud, I believe, and I've said this on somebody's podcast on these concurrent before, whether it be mine, yours, or judge. I believe every bait has a radius. <clears throat> Top water being probably the biggest. Uh, it covers the most ground fast. Uh, you may not land every fish, and that is why on tournament day, my top water is not the first thing I go for just because the rate at which you lose fish. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you'll get five blow-ups and land one, and I'm, that's not what I'm in there for. But when I'm scouting, top water is a great tool. You know, I'm covering a ton of water. I'm putting 10 cast to a 100-yard bank. Um, and then can come back and be like, all right, the biomass is here. What quality are we dealing with? I catch a handful of 23s, I'm out. If I catch the class I'm looking for, I can really just start, even stop casting a little bit and just watch if you can see them or hit them in a different tide. You know, find them at low, find them at high, so on and so forth. Um, again, go back to your two trains, of, your two schools of thought. Either know them intimately or know, like, okay, well, I caught a 26 or 27. This tide, jot it down. I'm a big believer in fishing logs and then go somewhere else. You know, have your low tide plan and your high tide plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to answer your question in short, you just fish fast. You fish really fast. You're keeping that trolling motor pretty high. And when you're keeping your trolling motor high, something I'll say probably every single starter that I've ever taken is run a fast trolling motor, you got to be able to cast on. Um, and then also, he who casts farthest makes or catches the most red fish. Just two little cheesy sayings that I, I live by. Um, so I will on on tournament day I run a fast trolling motor uh, or scouting, but I'm I'm swinging that plug so far that they don't know that my trolling motor is running fast. Even close so, to them, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're presenting a bait before they know you you exist. That's the name of the game. Yeah. So if you're going to be fast, you got to be even further away from the boat. Easier, so with that being said, easier said. With, go ahead. Easier said than done with clients sometimes. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Um, but I I beat it and I not beat it into their head. That sounds mean. But I I harp on that uh, casting distance is team. Like that to catch redfish in North Carolina, that's the end they'll be on. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people man, I, after these fish. Yeah. That, that's very true. I say casting distance is, 
extremely important as well as uh, since we're on the subject of top water, like your accuracy is super important. Like, Oh yeah. If you don't get it, you know, say it's high tide, you're not getting it within a foot of the grass. Chances are, I mean, sure you can catch one, but your chances increase tremendously if you're getting it right up next to the grass. For sure. I tell them to kiss the bank. There you go. Yeah, got to kiss the bank. <laughs> um, I would prefer you to reel back five casts with grass on the end of your top water. Let the other five be pretty and right at the bank. Then to fish 30 casts and none of them made it within two foot of the bank. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's how I scout. Scout fast. And then after you fish, you know, whatever the bank is, 100, whatever, you, you set back like, all right, the buy-in mask here, that was a hot spot. Go back, uh, whether it be that day or not, and be like, okay, is this or is this not the class I need? Eventually, you won't even need to catch them. You can watch the blow up and be like, okay, I'll a better fish. Or you can watch a little rat be acrobatic on your plug and know yeah, when I'm full believer Big fish are not acrobatic. A small fish is like the gnarliest blow up you'll ever get. A 22 absolutely smokes your top water. <laughs> but a 27, 28, 30, like slurps. Slurps it Still down. sounds nice. It's like a flushing toilet, but he's like showing very little of itself out of the water. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do you see a big fish go crazy in your top water. So. If I'm swinging a plug, I can kind of tell, like, okay, there's some big fish right there. Mm-hmm. And I can be made a liar tomorrow about that. But like I said, I'm just being proficient, fishing fast. I'm breaking off. I'm picking another one up. If I need to retie, I'm doing that fast. Um, I can't harp on fishing fast enough. Yeah. That's how right. I scout for tournaments. The- and then on tournament day, I might be super, super slow. Like if we're rotting in the slot, rotting in the spot, which would be like we have two slots. We're gonna fish into ten hours. Right. Um, you're gonna pick it apart way, as way, much way. as possible. You're making yeah ten of the same cast right. before you ever move. Your your power pole is gonna be beat up by the end of the day, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, makes sense. What is your number one? So you said you you said on tournament day. Your top water generally isn't your first pick. What is your first pick on tournament day? Four-inch gulp shrimp on a jig head. <laughs> Boom. Been saying it I for mean, years. It's, it's, <laughs> it's tough to beat. And the hookup, man, like, so sometimes in the windy days, I'll go to a quarter ounce uh-huh. to extend it. And if it's really windy, I'll throw a centerbait first. Yeah. Because there's always tension on the line. Right. Like on a mildly mildly windy day or like a normal day, if it's super slick, I'll throw top water just because how well it does in the slick water. Um, but it's not it's not common that I'm going to pick up a top water. My go-to comfort bait is going to be a four-inch gold shrimp, either on an eighth ounce or windy on a quarter ounce. Mm-hmm. The thing is that quarter ounce hits the water hard, but if it's windy, I don't think they notice. Um, but, man, you, you feel them hit. You give them the beans. I mean, just jam that hook, and you you pretty well got that fish 
one thing I would like to touch on. Yes. And I've learned this tournament fishing. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to play the fish until they're tired. Right? So the fish comes up, oh, they're not ready yet. Oh, they're not there. They've got a lot of fight in them. And like that, put a lively fish in the boat. It's okay. Utilize your drag. Put a lively fish in the boat. I would rather him go crazy in the deck of my boat than to let him run for three more minutes. His only thing he's doing when he's running is making that hole in the corner of his mouth bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until one of those head shakes shake the hook. Not only are you doing that, but you're making him more susceptible to sharks. Yeah. So just a little rant of mine. Like everybody, oh, got to fight until he's tired. And I just totally disagree. Utilize your drag. You know, trust your knot. If you're breaking fish off, tie a better knot or bump up your leader, whatever the case is, and and put a lively fish in the boat. I don't think you have to fight a fish until he's dog tired and just can't bite anymore because he's either going to get eat by a shark or you're going to make that hole in the corner of his mouth so big that he shakes the hook. And you're also increasing your, at least where I live, increasing your odds of him finding an oyster bed. And break oh, off on that. I mean, yep, yep. especially if right when you hook him, he nicks an oyster, and uh, you extend that fight for another three minutes. That little chink in the armor is going to get bigger as well. And um, yeah, I, I hate when a when a redfish breaks off and he's swimming off with a hook in his mouth or yep. something. Doesn't feel yeah, good. I agree. Doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't feel good. And you, you just kind of stomach that, like, oh, they'll pass it, it'll rust out, da 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 da. But and it sucks. Like that's not a good feeling. No, no, it's not. It's not at all. There are um, a million different analogies, like, oh, they're our business partner, and they're worth more dead, or they're worth worth more alive than they are dead, and da da da. da. But bottom line is that just sucks. Yeah. I agree with you. What else? What else were you want to cover about tournament redfish tournaments? Oh man, I don't know, man. Like, never thought about it. Do it. <laughs> you should definitely uh, enter in some of the public tournaments. Uh, yeah. Redfish Madness, hosted by Mike Mattis, is, is a really good way to start. Um, it's, it's highly competitive. Uh, like I said it takes takes a lot of weight to win, but you should still just hop out. I wasn't competitive when I first started. Um, me and Wayne did that one, and then you know we kind of have crawled our way up into being. Um, I don't even want to say we're a good team. We're we, we compete, um, but yeah, do it. Get into it. Absolutely. Um, just don't, else, just don't fish empty. any of Ozzy's honey holes. We'll run circles around. You, you. Oh man, I mean, I ain't, I ain't sweat, <laughs> I'll just blow, blow the bank out. You know, be a dirt. <laughs> nah, there's rules. There's rules against that. I'm just kidding. Don't, yeah, I mean, I was be like, well, should have bought a faster boat. Kudos <laughs> to you. <laughs> well, I think just to kind of sum it up, there is. Um, there's a lot that goes into tournament tournament fishing, as as Ozzy was saying. I mean, when you start looking at looking at it as a an actual sport, and um, you know you're 
changing out rusty hooks, you're changing out factory hooks, you're double checking your knots, you're retying on, you know, brand new leaders on all your rigs and your scouting and all that stuff. I mean, every aspect of it, in my opinion, makes you a better angler. So if, if, if that's, if that's your goal, I think by all means, it is a good way to motivate anybody to become a better angler and, and just get better at it. I mean, even if you, even if you enter a tournament in a place you've never fished before, it'll make you a better fisherman because you'll start looking for places that look fishy. And some of those places are going to turn out for you and end up being what you were looking for. You might not catch the winning size fish there, but, but the thing that you found there or what you thought, you know, that little cove that has some sparse grass in it that had fish on it, that's something that you can apply to your fishery or where, where you fish you know, the majority of the time. Um, so long story short, I think it's a great way to become, uh, a, a better angler and, and, um, and have fun doing it too. Yeah. And, you, and you'll get to see I, Ozzy reel in some 27 inch, 14 pound fish. So it's a win-win. Don't hold your breath. Neither. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good point, man, that we didn't really touch on. Um, you get better at breaking down new water. Absolutely, I mean, absolutely, one thousand percent. That's a, a place me and Noah as a team have grown over the last two years. Is breaking down water we're unfamiliar with and doing it fast. Again, I hate to harp on being fast, but taking a fishery that some people know their entire life and breaking it down in two days and being even somewhat successful is a skill that we are just now learning to develop. Um, again, like we're, we're a young team. We have a many, many, many of these learning curves ahead of us, but that's kind of our, probably our more recent one. Um, and it, dude, it's so, so freaking helpful. Like I'll come back to the things that I got seven days a week. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? Like that was true in Georgia or that was true in South Carolina or whatever. Like even, Inside the coast of North Carolina, um, you can apply that. So if it was true on the south side of North Carolina, you could probably go apply even just a tidbit. And I don't, you know, obviously don't force it. You're like, well, it worked here. It's going to work there, whatever. But, you know, that is a good point we didn't touch on. Learning to break down water, it kind of makes you come back to your own base and be like, oh, we have this. Or, or this applies in this area or and there's just so many facets we can go down a thousand rabbit holes whether it be oyster point current scenes bait flow hydrodynamics you name it um but yeah like you said anything you start viewing as a sport and uh we're getting into the weeds about it's a great way to grow great way to um advance as an angler you're going to meet some really, really cool dudes on, along the way. Um, we have a great group of guys. Like I said, Mike Mattis runs a pretty stellar tournament series with a great group of dudes from all over, um, all over the country. So I recommend trying it. If you've never tried it, it's a great way to spend your Saturday and a few hundred dollars. There you go. Might have a couple beers along the way. 
At least I would. I would never. Uh, well, Ozzy, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you hopping on um, to to talk about your tournament fishing, and hopefully this inspired a couple new uh, redfish turn redfish. Uh, was it redfish madness tournaments? Um, yeah, yeah. Come check it out. Hopefully, it inspired a couple of people to get get signed up. So, um, I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Well, sweet man, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and I have certainly enjoyed chatting with you, buddy, Ro. Yes, sir. You're very welcome. And y'all go check out uh, Captain Nazi's episodes on Eastern Current. He discusses all sorts of things uh, regarding saltwater inshore fishing. So. Be sure to check his out. And, uh, Ozzy, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, brother, man. See you.